I don't know how your New Year's resolutions typically go. But mine are terrible. Like, they're terrible. My diets, my exercise plans, my personal goals are usually shot by February. If not even sooner than that, they're totally shot. Uh, and so I almost shudder a little bit, I almost hesitate uh, to bring up something new for our church this year. Uh, but it's important for you to know that this, this isn't really something flippant, okay? This isn't just some kind of random New Year's resolution that I'm presenting uh, to you this morning. This has actually been on my heart for a pretty good while, okay? Uh, and so for me personally, and for our church as a whole, here's what I'd, I'd like for you to uh, present to us uh, in this new year. I would like for us to pray more and pray better. <laughs> pray more and pray better. That's for me personally, and that's for us uh, as a church. And uh, so one, one thing we're going to immediately add to our services is um, at, at the very end of each service, uh, you know, we, we, we normally we give uh, Mark, Mark 16, 15, you know, we all stand together and say Mark 16, 15. Uh, after that, uh, myself and one of the elders or uh, maybe a couple more folks will actually come up front and anybody who needs prayer, we want you to come forward. Okay, that's going to be part of our services moving forward from now on. Okay. So as soon as the service is over, you're free to kind of move about, do whatever you want like you did before, but we will have an opportunity up here at the front uh, for anybody who needs prayer to come forward, okay? Uh, and so uh, I, think, I think that's something that, uh, that Christ would like for us to do. <laughs> um, I think if, if you read the, the life of Christ in the Gospels, he's a pretty big fan of prayer, <laughs> pretty big fan. Uh, and you know what? It, if we're going to pray better, if we're going to pray more, if we're going to pray well, I don't think there's anyone better to teach us than Jesus. Uh, and so uh, I kind of decided this week we're going to do a short sermon series to start this new year on prayer. And we're going to let Jesus himself teach us how to pray. Uh, and so uh, today, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 13. Matthew 6, 5 through 13. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, it's okay. The verses will be on the screen behind me. Matthew 6, and we're going to look at 5, verses 5 through 13. And this is Jesus himself teaching us. Here's what he has to say. Verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is God's word. Okay, so let's start off with two questions. Two questions. You can just answer silently to yourself. (laughs) Two questions. Number one, do you believe in prayer? Do you even believe in this? Okay, number one, do you believe in prayer? Number two, if you do believe in prayer, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life going? I'll go ahead and give you my answers uh, to those questions. First, I do believe in prayer. I promise. I believe in it. (laughs) I believe prayer is real, powerful, and beautiful. I believe that. And number two, I'm really lousy at praying. I'm like really bad at it. I'm really, really lousy. But you know what? I don't think, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think I've ever actually met a person who is happy with their prayer life. Like, I don't think, I've, I mean, maybe you're out here and that's you. You just are thrilled with your prayer life. Maybe you're out here this morning, you're just over the moon excited about your prayer life. Maybe that's you and congratulations. I haven't met you yet, so if you would, uh, after the service, come shake my hand uh, and introduce yourself to me, uh, because I have yet to meet a person who just loves <laughs> their prayer life. Uh, and so you know what? If you're beginning 2023 and you're struggling to pray, me too. Me too. But you know, apparently, we're in pretty good company. We're in pretty good company. Because uh, C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian authors and teachers ever, he said this, he said, quote, prayer is irksome. Prayer is irksome. I think 2023 needs to be the year that we bring back the word irksome. I love that word, irksome. Prayer is irksome. And uh, C.S. Lewis goes on to say, I am reluctant to begin and delighted to finish. (laughs) End quote. Prayer is irksome. So you know what, folks? We need help. (laughs) We need help to pray. Even C.S. Lewis needed help to pray. And thank God there is help. His name is Jesus. And he loves to help us. (laughs) He loves it. And so let's let him do so uh, here today in our text. Uh, And so uh, point number one in your outline this morning. uh, Jesus shows us here on this very, very famous prayer. It's very famous teaching on prayer. He shows us the nature of prayer. The nature of prayer. Uh, You see, in our text today, Jesus is helping us to pray, but notice how he's helping. Notice how he's helping us. He's not giving us any techniques to use. Do you see that? He doesn't say, set your alarm for this time. Get your body in this position. Put this kind of music in the background. Light this kind of scented candle. He doesn't say any of that. No, Jesus doesn't give us technique. He gives us theology. He gives us theology. He tells us what God is like. That's what he does with his teaching. He tells us what God is like. Now, why does Jesus do that? Why does he teach us theology when he's teaching us to pray? Well, it's because prayer is not fundamentally about what we do. It's about who God is. That's what prayer is about. And when you begin to realize the kind of God we're praying to, prayer takes on a whole new meaning. 
And Jesus makes it very, very clear in this teaching what kind of God we have, what kind of God we're praying to here uh, in verse 9. Here in verse 9. He says this in verse 9. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our boss in heaven. Wait, no. Our genie in a bottle in heaven. Wait, no. Our terrifying judge in heaven. No. Our demanding taskmaster in heaven. No. Put the verse on the screen. What does he say? Our Father in heaven. In fact, Jesus uses the word Father six times here in this very short teaching. Six times he uses the word Father. Now, why does he emphasize the word Father here? Because who we think God is, is going to determine how we approach him. Right? I mean, that's just common sense. Who we think this God is determines how we are going to approach him. If we think God is a genie in a bottle, then prayer is simply mechanical. You know, it's just about rubbing the lamp in a certain way to get the genie to pop out and to get our wishes granted. Or, you know, if we think God is some kind of cosmic cop, busy writing sin tickets all day, well, you know, then prayer simply becomes an attempt to stay on his good side. You know how you are when the police pull you over. You know, you, co- you compliment the way he's dressed, his shave. You know, you just try to stay on his good side and try to, try to convince him, you know, just kind of let you slide this time. That's what basically prayer becomes if he's just a cosmic cop. You're trying to convince him to tear the ticket up. I'll just give you a warning. <laughs> just a warning. Or if we think God is ultimately a big guy with a big stick in the sky, then prayer becomes an attempt to beg him for mercy. Just try our best not to offend him, not to make him angrier at us than he already is. That's what prayer is. But what if God is not a genie in a bottle? What if he's not a cosmic cop or a big guy with a stick in the sky? What if he's a loving father, compassionate and kind and merciful? Well, then that changes everything. That changes the way that we approach him, doesn't it? Prayer goes from being a chore to something that means security, intimacy, access, and rest. There's a famous picture of President John F. Kennedy that I'd like to show you now. Go ahead and put it on the screen. You've probably seen this picture before. Everybody see it? I love this picture. (laughs) I would venture to guess that this is the most secure office in the world. Would you agree? In the whole world, this is the most secure place, the most protected office. 
It's the most difficult office to enter on the planet, right? You can't just walk into the Oval Office, can you? No, you can't just walk into the Oval Office. Unless, unless you're John F. Kennedy Jr. Unless you're the child of the president. Well, then you can just come on in. Then you get to play with your toys under the most secure desk in the world. And Jesus is showing us in Matthew chapter 6 that this picture is what prayer is. You're looking at it. This is what prayer is. It's free access to the most secure place in the universe, the throne room of your heavenly Father. There is no safer place to be. There is no better place to be. There's no condemnation here. There's no fear here. There are no expectations here. <laughs> this is pure freedom and security. And my friend, you have free access to it any time you want it. Any time you want it, you have free access to your Father who loves you more than you'll ever fathom. And you say, but preacher, I've really blown it this week. I'm up to my eyeballs in sin. Well, first off, join the club. <laughs> Second of all, do you think John Jr. was only allowed in the Oval Office when he'd been a good boy that week? Do you think his father was only happy to see him when he'd done all his chores? <laughs> no. No. You see, it didn't matter what kind of week John Jr. had. If he wanted in the Oval Office, all he had to do was high-five the Secret Service agents at the door and walk on in. Daddy's busy? No problem. Bring your toys under the desk. It's fine. <laughs> Just high-five the Secret Service agents and come on in. Why? Because the man in charge is daddy. Daddy's in charge. And daddy always, always wants you with him. He's always happy to see you. It doesn't matter what kind of week you had. 
It doesn't matter what kind of month you had. It doesn't matter what kind of year you had. It doesn't matter what kind of life you've had. Daddy's always happy to see you. Always. Why do you think Jesus spent so much time in prayer? Why do you think so? Because there's no better place to be. <laughs> this is the most free, secure, comforting place in the universe. Jesus just wanted to be with Daddy. Because Daddy loves him. And Daddy always wants to see him. And at his daddy's feet, he always found security and joy and freedom and rest. And you know what? This eternal loving relationship between the son and the father has now been opened up to you. It's been opened up to you and me. Not because we're good, not because we're religious, not because we're spiritual powerhouses, but because God the Son has personally opened up the relationship for us to join in. God the Son with His own blood, with His very own blood, has made Himself our brother so that we can join Him under the desk of His Father and play with our toys in freedom. And security forever. Jesus has made a way for his father to become our father. Which means this. It has to mean this. Okay? It has to mean this. It has to mean that God is far more eager to hear our prayers than we are to offer them. Right? Like that has to mean that. If Jesus shed his blood to bring us in, then that's kind of what this has to mean. He wants to hear our prayers. He wants us at his feet more than we want to be there. It has to mean that. You see, we don't have to break the ice with God. We don't have to just kind of bashfully stand in the corner hoping that the Father calls us forward. We don't have to try and warm him up to us. We don't have to try and create some kind of rapport with him. No. That beautiful, warm rapport has existed for all eternity between the Father and the Son, and we're just invited to join in. <laughs> it's, the warmth is already there. The acceptance is already there. It's been there for eternity. There's no building of rapport here. There's no requirements. There's no expectations. Just come on in. <laughs> just come in. Just, just, I'll bring my toys, you bring yours, and let's go. <laughs> just come on in and play. There's freedom here. There's security here. There's rest here. Just, just come on in. As one writer puts it, the party's already begun. <laughs> Just come on in. <laughs> Just come on in. The party's already begun. Don't you see? The God we pray to loves our presence. 
He loves it. He's not too busy for us. He doesn't have a lot of God things to do, and we're getting on his nerves by approaching him with our needs and our wants and our hurts and our pains. That is not how it's working. He loves to have us at his feet. He loves it. He loves to hear our prayers because he is our father. He's father. He's father. He's not judge. He's not cosmic cop. He's not a genie. He's daddy. He's daddy. That's number one. Number two in your outline, Jesus shows us the shape of prayer. The shape of prayer. <clears throat> now, what I think is really neat here, I mean, this is neat, <laughs> uh, is Jesus shows us exactly how to pray. He shows us exactly how to pray. He doesn't offer a suggestion. He doesn't say, well, you know, you could kind of be like this, or kind of maybe sometimes it could be like that. No, he just says, pray like this. <laughs> and then just lays it out here for us. This is amazing. He says, here, do it like this. Uh, and two things to me kind of leap off the page as we look at the shape of Jesus' prayer, okay? So number one, uh, the first thing that jumps off the page to me is that Jesus shows me that I'm never on my own, like ever. I'm never by myself. Look at verse 6. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So even when I'm behind closed doors, no one else is around. Not my children, not my friends, not my wife. Nobody's there, nobody's around. I'm not alone. My Father is there. My Father is with me. This is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. And Jesus says this is how we should pray. Prayer is private and prayer is intimate. It's just between you and your Father. And yet, Jesus says this. He says, go in your room, shut the door, and pray our Father. Now that's odd, isn't it? I mean, if it's just between me and God... Why wouldn't I start my prayer by saying, my Father? Right? Here's why. We don't start our prayer that way. It's because even in our private prayers, our private prayers have a corporate dimension to them. You see, you were not saved to be a lone ranger Christian. The nanosecond you were saved, you were brought into a family. Okay? That's just how it worked. You were brought immediately in to the family. And so even when I'm alone in my room with the door shut and locked and I'm in prayer, I'm still conscious of the fact that I'm not running this race by myself. So not only is the Father always with me, my brothers and sisters in Christ are always with me. Even when I'm by myself in my room, I'm still a part of a worldwide family. I'm not a Lone Ranger. <laughs> not a Lone Ranger Christian. I belong to Jesus' family. Which means this. Here's what it means. If you're trying to live 
the Christian life solo, all by yourself, totally on your own, you know what that means? It means you can't actually pray the Lord's Prayer. See that? <laughs> you can't actually pray it. See, the, the word hour here, it kind of throws a monkey wrench in your prayer, doesn't it? Because for you, there is no hour. <laughs> it's just me. But you see, folks, we're meant to do this together. When you were born again, you were born again into a family of many, many, many millions of brothers and sisters. You're not by yourself. And so this means that not only does God want to give you himself, he desperately wants to give you himself, which is amazing, but he also wants to give you his family. He wants to give you his son, and he wants to give you all of your brothers and sisters as one big, happy family. He turns me into us, my father into our father. He is our father. So that jumps off the page to me, uh, first of all. Second of all, the second thing that jumps out is that uh, I'm not at the center of the universe, apparently. I'm not at the center of the universe. Look at verses 9 through 10. <clears throat> 9 through 10. Verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we begin prayer with the things that have to do with God, right? His name, his kingdom, his will. And then, and only then, do we move on to things that have to do with us. Our daily needs, our daily issues, our pains, our sorrows, our walk with God, etc., etc., okay? But this is significant, this part of the shape of Jesus' prayer. This is very significant. You see, prayer doesn't get God on board with our agenda. Prayer gets us on board with God's agenda. See? It's not about bending God to my will. It's about bending my will to God's will. This prayer radically reorients our lives because it takes us out of the center and puts God in there. And we ain't used to that. <laughs> we ain't used to that. That ain't how we roll. Okay? Everything in life is about us. Me, myself, and I. My wants, my desires, my issues, my pains, my concerns. And that's why Jesus is so helpful here. <laughs> He's so helpful. He puts things back in their rightful place. Puts things back where they belong. You see, I can't pray, hallowed be your name, without at the same time praying, my name should not be hallowed. Right? I mean, that's kind of in, entailed there. When I say, hallowed be your name, I'm saying, not hallowed my name. I can't pray, your kingdom come, without at the same time praying, my kingdom go. See? I can't pray, your will be done, without at the same time praying, my will take a hike. See? It's happening at the same time. Now, this kind of prayer might seem very difficult <laughs> at first, uh, that's for sure. But when you really think about it, this prayer is profoundly liberating. Like profoundly liberating. See, Jesus is helpful. He's so helpful. <laughs> He's here to help us. 
This is profoundly liberating. Folks, it is really good news that I'm not at the center of the universe. My wife knows that. You guys don't understand that as well as she does. It's really good news that I'm not in control. Okay? It's good news for me. It's good news for her. It's good news for all of you. The universe would have crashed and burned long ago if I was at the center of it. See, this is good news. It's really good news that Jesus' kingdom is coming and my kingdom is going. That's really good news. It's really good news that his will is being done and my will is not being done. That's really good news. You see, truth be told, all of these things are, are far too heavy. They're far too burdensome for us to carry anyway. But boy, do we try. <laughs> we try so hard to be the center of the universe. We, we place all of these burdens on our own shoulders to carry the weight of our lives, to carry the weight of our children, to carry the weight of our spouses, the weight of our jobs. We just pile all this onto ourselves. We make ourselves the center of our kingdoms, the center of our lives. We struggle and we fight every day for our desires, our, our wills, and for our little kingdoms to succeed, to prevail. They are way too heavy for us. But we think we have no choice. We think we have to carry, somebody's got to carry these burdens, the burdens of my kids, the burdens of my husband, my wife, I mean, somebody's, I might as well carry them. And Jesus says, no, <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. Jesus says, those burdens are for me to carry, not you. Bring them to me for my shoulders are strong and I can handle them. And so the Lord's prayer is burden lifting. At first it kind of seems like it's adding burdens to us, but really the opposite is true. It's burden lifting. I am not my own and I am not in control and that's really good news. <laughs> I don't have to worry as much as I normally do. I can bring my worries and my anxieties and my cares at the feet of my father and let him have them. But hey, let's just be real for a second, shall we? Prayer, you might agree with everything I just said. Everything Jesus is teaching here, you might agree with it all. You might say, wow, that's neat. But prayer is still going to be irksome, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It will be hard to pray. It will be hard to pray this prayer specifically. It's going to be hard. Why? Why is it so dad burn hard? Because we are selfish. We are self-centered to our bones. <laughs> okay? Me the most. And prayer, the way Jesus is defining it here, is the opposite of selfish, okay? It's the opposite. And even if we do pray, what we really want to be praying about is our needs, our desires, our issues, our pains. And so the beginning of Jesus' prayer here 
praying for God's name to be hallowed, for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done. Well, that kind of feels like the vegetables we're forced to eat before we get to the ice cream. Just kind of slog through that part, you know. God's name be hallowed, God's kingdom come. Okay, now, now let me, let me hit you, God, with what I'm really here for. I'm really here for my kingdom, <laughs> not yours. So we just slog through the first part to get to the second part. Right here, me, 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 me. So how do we overcome this? How do we overcome this? There's only one way. There is absolutely only one way to overcome this. We must not only examine the Lord's Prayer, but the person teaching us the Lord's Prayer. We must examine who it is giving us this teaching. Which brings us to our last point. We'll close with this. The person of prayer. The person of prayer. God-centered prayers will be very hard for us unless. Unless the God we're praying to is unfathomably good. Like unfathomably good. Prayer is going to be really hard for us unless we're convinced of that. So let's just for a minute, just for a minute, imagine a God who is so deeply attractive that his name becomes something we cherish even more than our own. So much so that we're troubled when he's not known. Like when you have a favorite movie or a favorite show that you've binge watched, you know, and you meet someone who's never heard of it or never seen it, never watched it. How do you react to that person? You're like, oh. Like you're almost offended, aren't you? You're like, oh, I can't believe it can't believe this like it kind of hurts your heart a little bit doesn't it when they haven't seen your favorite movie or your favorite show it hurts your heart just a little bit it troubles you why because this thing is too good this this show this movie is is too wonderful not to be known well imagine a god so compelling, so attractive, so beautiful, so wonderful that it bothers you when he's not known. Not because we're fans of him, but because our hearts have been captured by him. Because we have seen a beauty in Jesus that we haven't seen anywhere else in the universe. And as we gaze upon his beauty, we desire above all for his name to be hallowed. You see, this isn't something that could be commanded. You can't be commanded to hallow the name of Jesus. No. You must gaze upon his beauty. You must, you must have his beauty, the beauty of his person and his character, wash over you. And get way down deep inside until you're so moved by him 
that you can't wait to hallow his name. Now imagine for a second a God whose every work, every deed, everything he does is so, is so true, so productive, so just, so right. That we find ourselves rooting for his work to rule our hearts and our world. As we see Jesus at work on the earth, making all things new and good and lovely again, our hearts cry out, Go, Jesus, go! Go, baby, go! Do your thing, Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Go, Jesus, go! It's only when we've been captured by his beauty, the wonder of his works, that we'll start thinking like that, praying like that. Finally, let's imagine a God whose heart, whose heart is so gentle, so tender, so pure, so radiant, that our heart's deepest desire becomes seeing his heart's desires met. And as we look at Jesus, we see one whose heart we can trust so fully, so completely, that whatever his will is, we know it's going to be way better than ours. Even if his will appears at times to be painful or terrifying, Because of his heart, because of his heart, we are confident that his will is for our good because of his heart. And because of his heart, our hearts shout, please, Lord Jesus, your will be done. I know this looks painful. I know this looks terrifying, but please. Do it. Lord Jesus, do it. I trust your heart. And I know that this is for my good. And this, folks, is what Jesus is inviting us into with prayer. That's what he's inviting us into. He's inviting us in to his oval office. He's inviting us in to his throne room so that we can know him. This isn't transactional. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's father. He's inviting us in so that we can know him, so that we can love him, and so that we can be loved by him, so that we can know his heart and see that it is good. <laughs> it is really good. The party has already begun. He just wants us to come on in so that we can play with our toys at his feet without a care in the world. <laughs> without a care in the world. Because at his feet, we have found ultimate freedom, security, and rest. We found it all in him. Let's pray together.